Welcome to A Human Perspective, a podcast where I'll be sharing work and personal experiences and learnings. I will also chop it up with guests from time to time who will also share their own perspectives. I can't promise everything you hear on this podcast will always be right, but I can promise to always give you a human perspective. My name is Lola Ogentoken, and I'm your host. Let's go. On today's episode of A Human Perspective, we have Sam Flynn. Sam is a social media trainer turned digital well-being coach, and she's on the episode today to talk to us about digital well-being. Welcome to A Human Perspective, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat to you. I'm really excited to talk to you too. Can you start us off by telling us a little bit about your background? Yeah, of course. So my career started in psychology, really. I did a degree in psychology and then a master's in organizational psychology. And that led me into my first business, which was all about creating, managing and analyzing employee engagement surveys for organizations. But when I was doing that business, I went on some social media courses. I thought they were horrific. Um, (laughs) This was was about 13 years ago now, social media was just sort of starting out for businesses in a way and I just thought my god I know so much more than any of the people delivering these courses and people actually started saying to me like oh I've seen you popping up on LinkedIn and are you on that Twitter thing and, and I thought you know what there's a real gap here so I started a social media training business which really very quickly overtook the survey business and that was over 12 years ago now about 12 and a half years ago and I've been delivering social media training ever since but then the big transition for me came during the pandemic where I found my own smartphone use in particular just rapidly increased, as I'm sure many people did at that time. Um, I don't think I'm alone in that. So yeah, just suddenly found that my phone was like a permanent fixture of my hand, mainly due to the circumstance. You know, I was home alone with my three daughters trying to run a business while my husband was out working. My phone became a great place to do that. Post pandemic, of course, I could sit back at my computer while my girls were at school, and yet my phone was still in my hand. So yeah, and I think everyone can probably relate to that feeling of why am I picking up my phone again and again and again I took steps to reduce my use particularly when one of my daughters said to me mom you're always on your phone you're not listening to me so yeah that was a trigger for me I really reduced my use down got really interested in it from a psychology kind of standpoint as to why we've become addicted to smartphones and social media and and everything to do with it and it just became so much of a passion that I thought this is something I could help other people out with and here I am now as a digital well-being coach So how would you define digital well-being? We can't avoid the digital world. You know, it is a part of all of our lives. And I love the digital world. It's given me a career. Digital well-being is all about making sure that we have a positive relationship with that digital world rather than it negatively impacting on us. So making sure that it's not having a detrimental impact on our well-being and that it aids it rather than has that negative impact. 
I know you said it was a bit of a weird transition or a funny transition mm. going from social media coach to digital well-being. But I see a solid link there. How do you think some of the work that you did, even as a social media specialist and then coaching people on social media, what do you think some of the links are there? Yeah, well, and I mean, a lot of people have said to me, isn't that the complete polar opposite of what you're doing in terms of social media training? And actually, you're right. I see them linking really nicely together. Yeah. Over the years that I've been a social media trainer, I have seen varying degrees of how people respond to social media. So for some businesses and business owners in particular, they'll go, oh my God, I don't want to go anywhere near it. Others will be like, I just spend all my time scrolling on it and I can't seem to get any focus in what I'm actually doing on there. Some just are essentially wasting their time on there, seeing it as I'm working, I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm working and they're not getting actual results from it. So I've always, as part of my training, helped people manage their time effectively on it and never really thought of it as digital well-being. But now, obviously, looking back with the perspective that I have, I can see that that's exactly what I've been doing. I've been teaching them how to do it in a limited time without having to mindlessly scroll, without getting sucked into that feeling that you've got to be constantly present on there because it's not the be all and end all. So I think it's always formed part of the work I've done. But certainly I can also see it then from the perspective of people just posting, for example, on Instagram as a business and then immediately being obsessed with how many likes that post gets and the validation that that actually provides to them which isn't a healthy relationship yeah absolutely I definitely made an assumption you know when you said that you were a social media trainer I think there is that assumption that you're teaching people how to make the most out of social media and that means post a lot more but actually good social media usage means actually having a plan and a strategy and a much more controlled way of interacting with social media so having specific times in the day or something like that so Mm -hmm, exactly There's definitely like a solid link there that makes absolute sense. What are some of the biggest trends that you're seeing when it comes to digital well-being, whether it's with a certain sector of society that's hooked onto it or how widespread is the issue of actually people having a much more balanced relationship with anything digital? It could even be technology. It doesn't necessarily need to be being online all day. Yeah, it's definitely getting more and more part of people's thinking. I have seen Mm. so many people be like, oh my God, I just need to throw my phone away. And, you know, I'm just sick of, sick of it, sick of kind of being a slave to it. So I think everyone's starting to be more aware. I think certainly Mm. around my age group, people in their thirties plus are starting to really, Mm. I'm 37, nearly 38. You know, my kind of age range, we're in a really unique position where we grew up without the digital world and we kind of emerged into it as we became adults is when the digital world started to emerge. You know, I joined Facebook when I was 19, which just feels mad to think, actually, when I'm turning 38 next week. That's like (laughs) 19 years ago, I joined Facebook. That's how long, you know, it's been around. But we also have the joy of knowing what it's like to live a childhood without the digital world, to live as teenagers without the digital world. So I think there's definitely a trend in the kind of the 30 plus age range where we're going, hang on a second. This isn't what life's all about. Life isn't all about scrolling. Life isn't all about spending hours and hours on our phone it's not about sitting in the evening and putting on something on the telly but actually just sitting and staring at our phones instead not talking to our partners not engaging with our children so I'm definitely definitely seeing it in my age range I'm also seeing it a lot in business owners Mm. I think business owners 
feel the need to be plugged in all the time and as it's their business and I'm seeing now a lot of business owners go hang on this isn't working for me it's working against me you know not having that switch off time where you go right the working day's done turn everything off instead it's like okay the working day's done but I'm going to sit on the sofa and see what Instagram comments I've got and maybe reply to a couple of emails and maybe check in on LinkedIn and, and such like so I think business owners are another group who are noticing now the need to start switching off a bit more. For the past few years I've been working specifically with startups and you're much closer to the CEO so you can Mm -hmm. see their behaviors and actually what they're teaching other people good work is. Yes. Because in my mind, I'm always thinking about teens or, you know, people that are just kind of entering their early 20s who are likely to have like an unhealthy relationship with technology or maybe specifically social media in that side of things. But definitely business owners, they do not switch off. And I remember there was one company I was working with and this CEO would send emails at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And there were some people genuinely responding at those times. Like, oh, my goodness working 24-7. They'd get a great pat on the back. This person is amazing. And it's like, no, they already give you nine to six or eight to seven. Most people don't work nine to five. Most people work outside of those hours already. They should be sleeping. You are taking their valuable- Yeah. Yeah, And it's, and it's counterproductive. (laughs) Yeah. And it starts to become the culture. People go on holiday. Oh, I'm checking my emails. Why? Why? And I think I can understand it with business owners in particular, because it's their, you know, quote unquote baby, so to speak. And for them, I think they think every moment is an opportunity. And if I don't do it now, then when will I do it? So how do you advise people in that situation where they are completely in charge of their livelihood? They're not working for another company. There's no salary that they can rely on through a larger business. How do you help them find that? Yeah. Yeah right kind of balance it is tricky a big part of the work I do now is digital culture and we can look at culture as being part of a massive organization but even in smaller even if it's just us working on our own we are our own managers of our digital culture we have to think about well hang on a sec what kind of negative impacts could it be having on me and then how will that translate into business success so for example smartphone use and over excessive use of the likes of social media and email checking etc has been shown to negatively impact sleep um, negatively impact mental health, yeah. negatively impact focus and attention, negatively impact creativity. So if we just take even those four factors, mm. all of those are really vital components of success. We don't yeah. sleep well, we're not as productive. If we are suffering with low mental health, we're not as productive. If we can't focus and pay attention, we're not going to get as much done. And if we're not being creative, we're not coming up with new ideas. So I think just looking at those factors can make you go, wow, yeah, okay, I need to set my own limits and put my own limits in place because actually it will benefit the business as opposed to take away from the business and a lot of people I speak to who kind of adopt this hustle culture where they are sending emails in the middle of the night never switching off no kind of set hours of their day or no time that they're like right that's it I'm switching off for the day I'm having an evening to myself they're often burnt out they're often stressed and they are often working out of hours to make up for the fact that they're not productive during hours <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a it is working out that balance because I speak to so many people who go well I have to work in the evenings because I'm not getting enough stuff done during the day and it's like actually yeah. if you had the evenings off and the weekends off and you had more downtime and more switch off time you would be more productive during your working hours that self-awareness I think is a really important part of that Yeah, you're so right about <laughs> how people use the time in their day I remember there was 
one role I was in. And somehow I got into the habit of working evenings and weekends. I mean, it was ridiculous. And then my work day turned upside down in that I was doing the bulk of my work in the evening and the weekends. And I think it just hit me one day that, hold on a minute, I'm paid to work these hours. And not just that, that's more than enough time for me to do this same work. And I just had to force myself, okay, this is what my day is for. I need to make sure I'm setting time aside to do it, to actually get my work done. And I think a lot of people are in this trap for different reasons, whether it's that they don't understand that, look, being in meetings Monday to Friday, nine to five is not a productive day because what comes out of it and when does that get done? Exactly. Um, Some companies have this heavy meeting culture that doesn't enable people to use their days effectively. And some people just believe that that's what being busy is, being present, showing up on screen, having an opinion. And the real work doesn't actually get done. So I love the fact that one of the areas that you actually look at first off is culture. Even as one person, what kind of culture are you cultivating? Mm -hmm. Pushback could be though, okay, but Facebook and Amazon did it. If I want my company to be like Facebook and Amazon, surely people have to be working 24-7. Like how do you... Well, you might might need some 24-7 cover, but it doesn't have to be by the same person, does it? You know, it comes Mm. down to shifts then. And I think there's been a big study here in the UK actually over the last year or so where certain companies have trialed doing a four-day working week where everyone gets an extra day off a week so we we now have three days off and four days of work and most of the companies in that trial are continuing the four-day week because they found the amount of work the business produces and what needs to be done is still getting done even though employees are working fewer hours and that's because they're more focused and productive in the time that they're working because they get extra time off so I think we have to look at it that way and I'm sure the likes of Facebook and Amazon yes of course they might be overworking some people but There's also the fact they are managing shift work. It's not expecting the same people to go, oh, well, yeah, you you finish at five, but can you just check in numerous times through the evening just in case there's a customer query? Which it does happen. I I know exactly. And it's not contracted hours. It's not even in their employment contract. And it just becomes the expectation because they can take a work smartphone or a work laptop home with them, or even they don't now go into a place of work. They're working from home. So there isn't even a switch off time where they've got to get on the bus or the train or their car parking times up or whatever you know there's not even that switch off time and so the expectation becomes from organizations well you could just log in in the evening and you know could we actually you know because of time differences could you maybe just log into this work meeting at nine o'clock at night and while you're on holiday do you mind just checking your emails for any queries that we've had through and 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 as a result it becomes this culture of always being switched on which works for a very very short time and the productivity of those people involved will absolutely decline as a result because it is massively affecting their work-life balance and definitely leading to stress and burnout. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's that piece where obviously people can see their managers and they're they're often judging their own dedication to their role based on what they're seeing their managers do. So I've heard someone say, I finish work when I'm supposed to, but my manager's still on. Like, am I supposed to still be online? Like, hopefully I still look like I'm doing my work, but my personal time is very important to me. The fact that this person even needed to say that I thought was really sad. And I know that that's not the manager's intention either, but you are setting the tone. You are yeah. setting the tone with your actions, not with what you say, but your actions. You're telling people to have a good work-life balance. Show them how it's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So with that in mind, how would you advise someone who perhaps has a manager Mm -hmm. who doesn't understand boundaries or, you know, when it comes to getting in touch, etc.? How would you advise that person to either manage a conversation or perhaps even their own accessibility? How would that work? Oh, it's so tricky. And I do talk a lot about how leaders do need to be positive digital role models in that respect, because you're so right. You know, if, if people do see their managers sending out emails in the evening and staying logged on outside of working hours, then it does create that culture of thinking, ah, that's what you have to do to succeed in this business. That's what you have to do to work your way up to the top. So they definitely do need to be more positive digital role models. Yeah. It can be really a difficult conversation to have because, of course, you don't want to be the only member of your team who does log off bang on five (laughs) o'clock and logs on at nine in the morning or whatever time you're you're expected to turn up. You don't want to be the last one to log on in the morning and the first one to log off at night because it can be self-damaging in terms of where it takes your your own thoughts, can't it? You know, like, I'm never going to get ahead because of this. I think it is worth sitting down with your manager and explaining the situation. If possible, direct them to videos that talk about it and say, look, I've been reading up on this or I've been listening to this video or listening to this podcast about this. For me, it's really important to maintain my contracted working hours so that I've got the downtime so I can be as productive as possible during the day. But often when I receive emails in the evening, it makes me think, right, I need to do the same. I need to be there and be present like you are as a manager. What are your thoughts? And and have that open conversation with them about maybe how it makes you feel. Yeah. And sometimes they won't realize. They'll just be like, oh God, I do that because I go and play squash at 10 in the morning and I go out for a big major business lunch and I'm only I'm only catching up on emails in the evening because actually I've had most of my downtime during the day. So it's, it's always worth raising the conversation. I don't think it can ever go against you to highlight things like that and to explain how these things make you feel. But hopefully you'd have an open digital culture anywhere where you can discuss this kind of thing. I do think it's something now leaders really need to be thinking about is what kind of digital role model are they being? I, for example, did a project with a company and I had to log into their Teams chat. And all through the day, there was chat messages coming through, like all oh through the day. And I was like, oh, I couldn't concentrate. And I'm like, how are they getting their job done? So again, as a digital leader, it should be a case of saying, right, if there are any issues, contact me directly. Don't put it through the chat box or let's switch off chat at these times. Let's all go on to chat nine till 9.30 and then again say you know three till 3.30 so we can discuss issues of the day but that notification culture of like you know constant pings it's just too disruptive Um, so it really is important that leaders are now thinking about the balance of yes okay we need effective communications as a team we may all be working from home we're not in the same office as each other how can we balance that out with getting as much done as possible and making sure that people aren't digitally overwhelmed as well There's also a need for an understanding of what different communication mediums are for. Mm -hmm. So if it is in teams, it should be urgent. Or are you directing the conversation to the right group of people? Is it just one person you should be messaging? Yes. Are you simply sharing information? Can that just be an email? Does it require Mm -hmm. a meeting and chats? Especially Mm -hmm. since COVID, there's been this need to over-communicate, which I get. So it's let's make sure we're keeping each other in the loop and then we're feeling connected in that way and we know what we're doing and, you know, there's no questions, people aren't unsure. And I think, yes, I understand it, but it still needs to make sense and it still needs to add value, not just doing this thing to be doing this thing. And it's just cluttering people's minds and lives a little bit more than it should. Absolutely. 
I think that's one of the key things when people just don't know when to use what and what for and how. I think you're 100% right. And I think the same is true of emails, isn't it? You know, Mm. people have their email notifications turned on. And then if they're getting copied into emails, they barely need to know anything about. They could have their emails pinging up at them all day while they're trying to concentrate. And if our focus is taken elsewhere, even if we don't open that email, even if we just see it pop up and go, oh, I don't need to do anything with that. The fact our brains had to refocus from what we're working on to do I need to address that email? No, I don't let's get back on task it's going to take I think the research says something like about 26 minutes to get our focus back on a task after we've been interrupted which you just think how much of productivity is being lost to pinging emails or pinging teams messages or whatever it might be and yeah a lot of businesses do need to think about okay how are we managing different levels of communications from urgent down to non-urgent to make sure that people can actually just get their jobs done Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I was watching a documentary and they were again talking about the usage of technology, our phones, etc. But particularly around this conversation around notifications and the use of the red dots mm-hmm. and how it makes people feel like they need to do something. And I think it's the same for the pinging. As soon as a ping is heard, it's like a call to action and it may need no action, but it, like you said, it takes you away from whatever you're focusing on. When I set up my machine for a role, let's say I'm starting a new job. The first thing I deal with is the notifications. I don't want to hear any pings. I don't want yeah. to see any message previews. Ideally, no, you know, major notifiers that will make me want to look. Yeah. So that's the first thing I do. And even if I have it on my personal phone, let's say I have Teams, so I do at the moment, mm-hmm. but no notifications. So I choose when I look at it on my phone, it's not something that is like terrorizing my phone. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. It's taking control. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just think it's so important. And I think people get lost in the interactions and answering these very short term fickle questions and it removes them from doing the big work, right? The major work that actually will help the company turn a corner. Yes, absolutely. And this is all part of creating this positive digital culture, because I think a lot of employees think I have to respond instantly to an email, otherwise that will go against me. Whereas if it's set out from the start that, you know, email communications are not instant in this organization, that you are not required to instantly respond to emails. If anything is an emergency, we use X system to let people know about this thing that needs an immediate response. And I think that all has to be set out in the digital culture, because expect employees to go oh do you know what I'll just turn off all my email notifications I'll check in twice a day with my emails they're not going to make that choice themselves unless they've been told this is actually how we do it here yeah and set the positive digital culture from the start for those employees because otherwise like we talked about in terms of presenteeism out of hours it becomes the norm that I've constantly got to be plugged into my emails because I need to respond straight away because that's what everyone else does it's a big thing that a lot of businesses need to think more about Yeah, yeah, you're so right. I love that idea of, I guess, is it a kind of digital culture policy or Mm. manifesto or something like that? It's interesting because when you go to a lot of startups, it depends, but many don't want to over policy their staff. And I just find it so interesting because in my mind, because I work in people operations, I'm like, oh, so we're going to wait for something to go wrong in order to put in place a policy. And that's the worst way to create a policy. You don't want to create it from something going wrong. You want to create it from the view that this guides people to getting it right. 
that's it exactly prevention's better than the cure <laughs> exactly and I think sometimes people are like oh everyone's an adult they know what to do uh no we've all got different perspectives we've all got different natural work ethics energies etc and it's up to you as the CEO or founder or the team the leadership team to set the tone and set yes. a bar when you don't do that people start to make up their own and then you tell them retrospectively it should have been what you know it's not fair and if you're thinking of people's well-being as well and you don't want people to burn out you can imagine someone coming straight from uni this is their first job they want to make a good impression my company is remote first you're working at home by yourself I have found that it does make people a little bit more anxious to show they're doing stuff and if you don't let people know hey we trust you we're a flexible environment you decide your hours as long as the work gets done you give people clear goals so that they know what they're working towards they're not just doing stuff to be busy and I think this is where actually you know some kind of digital well-being manifesto I think that is such a good idea just helping people look after themselves really yeah that's it because I mean you know it, it isn't just about productivity is it it's about protecting your team your valued assets your people and making sure that they don't get burnt out they don't get stressed they don't feel the need to be constantly plugged in they are able to get on with their jobs the digital world is definitely while it's a great way of helping people with their roles it's also something that can be hugely detrimental to their role as well I found that some founders sometimes struggle to see the humanity of the people that they hire so they just want the work done and it should have been done already that kind of thing how do you help someone start to humanize their team even if they create a digital well-being manifesto it's not necessarily going to be something that fits or that works how do you help them have the right kind of intention yeah I know exactly what you mean because I was actually talking to someone this morning about this about well-being and how it's become almost like a tick box for companies rather than actually caring about their teams (laughs) it's like oh that well-being thing that everyone's talking about we need to do something about that so let's get someone in to train people on stress (laughs) right we've done well-being rather than actually going okay we have people here and people have multiple needs and the more we can meet those needs effectively the more effective those people are going to be and the more committed they're going to be you know and I think the key in in business is always output isn't it and I think sometimes we've almost got to dehumanize to rehumanize so if business leaders are just looking at output, 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 then even delivering it in that way and saying, okay, you need your people to deliver to the highest level of output. Therefore, you do need to make sure that their mental health is okay. You do need to make sure they're sleeping fine. You do need to make sure they're being able to focus and pay attention. You do need to make sure that they're not burnt out and stressed. And all of that will increase output. Plus, if you show you actually care about them on a human level, they're going to stay more committed to the organization. Their output's going to be bigger. They're less likely to leave. Your retention's going to be better. Your recruitment costs are going to go down, etc. So I think sometimes you almost have to dehumanize and take it to a business level to rehumanize so they can go, I get it now. So if we look after the people because they're people, then those people will work better for us. And going back to when I studied business psychology, there was a big argument when it came to leadership around emotional intelligence and general intelligence. And it has been shown that those with high emotional intelligence are more effective leaders than those with high general intelligence. And emotional intelligence is exactly that. It's an understanding of people. So Mm. I think it goes back to recruiting the right leaders as well and making sure we're recruiting leaders who are high in emotional intelligence who deliver empathy who understand the needs of humans and then become positive role models themselves in that so it, it always comes back doesn't it to acquiring the right talent in the first place 
No, you're absolutely right. And that's actually just got me thinking about the concept of emotional intelligence. Because I think sometimes when people hear the term, they think, oh, okay, this is a really nice person. This is someone who makes sure everybody's happy and everything. And it's, you know, emotional intelligence. Yes, it's understanding people, but some, and this is a horrible thing to say, but it's true. I'm sorry, everyone. Not everyone knows what's good for them. Like you may want something, it may not be the best for you. And having emotional intelligence means that you are able to recognize that and communicate that in order to help people. And they may not agree with it, but that is also a form of emotional intelligence. And I think sometimes emotional intelligence is mistaken for being agreeable all the time. No, it's not. It's it's understanding innate needs of individuals and, and understanding that every individual is different and we can't blanket approach anything in life when it comes to humans. I know about well-being in general, obviously, and ways to look after yourself, etc. I'm big on that. Um, but this space of digital well-being in itself, it's very new to me. I hadn't heard of it before we um, kind of interacted. Yeah. I know you mentioned your journey into this space. Hmm. What are you seeing in the industry at the moment? Is this a space that's growing? And what do you foresee in terms of the future of this space? I think it is definitely growing. It's not a big space at the moment. I think it's getting bigger. You know, when I first started thinking about actually doing this as a career myself, I just asked myself the same question. Is this even a thing? Have I just invented a career or do people actually do this? So I did go and do a little bit of research. Is there companies out there actually focusing on digital wellbeing? And there is. There's not many, but there is. And they are doing big and important work as well. So it's definitely an existing area, but one that maybe hasn't yet had the growth that it probably needs to match what we're doing in the digital world to match how much we're interacting in the digital world. I think there is a gap between the two. And I've spoken to quite a few people actually who've contacted me and said, oh my gosh, there's a massive gap for this. You know, yeah. where they've said, ah, I didn't realize how much we need this until I've seen your posts on social media, until I've seen you talking about it and gone, whoa, mind blowing. This can make a massive difference to businesses and to individuals. Because when we look at well-being, we forget actually how much we're plugged into the digital world. So saying to people, do 10 minutes meditation every morning but then instantly they're picking up their phone and scrolling for three hours after their 10 minutes meditation yeah. it's kind of like saying to someone eat more fruit and vegetables but then straight away they go and eat a massive chocolate cake and a burger <laughs> because it's okay I've had my fruit and vegetables now. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know it kind of cancels it out doesn't it or you yeah. know we've probably all had that mentality when we've gone to the gym and done a great workout and gone best workout I really deserve to eat loads of fatty food now and to sit on my bum doing nothing <laughs> so <laughs> yeah exactly it has to be part of well-being as a result of that because yeah. we can't just do a yoga session and then go back to staring at a screen Mm. without thinking about how involved we have to be with the digital world and and ways that we can manage that because otherwise it's almost like we've cancelled out all that great well-being work that we've done and this is where I've spotted it in myself so much the whole idea to do this as a business came because I would walk my dog every day with my earphones in listening to a podcast in the past and having kind of then read all about this and researched and everything and one of the things I read was how about we very rarely just have moments of stillness anymore how often do we make a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and just sit and think whenever I'm out walking the dog now I notice everyone with their earphones in we're always taking stuff in and that that doesn't release the space in our brains just to stop and so I, I stopped that habit. I now walk the dog, just me and the dog and the noise of traffic and birds and whatever else is going on in the environment. And that was when actually one dog walk, I went, ah, this could be something I could help people with this. And I think if I'd stayed in that space where I was just plugged in all the time, I probably wouldn't be here chatting to you today. 
<laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And this is where, yeah, it becomes part of well-being as a whole, really. It's okay to say to someone, oh, get out in nature more. But then if they're plugging in podcasts or loud music or something that's still their brains being bombarded, they're not getting that mindfulness experience of going for a nice walk. Digital well-being has to form part of the well-being space just because of how plugged in we are. In terms of how plugged in we are, I see there's this push for it to actually become even more immersive, which I think is scary. Um, yes. I'll be staying away from that. Yeah. Just the fact that, you know, there's a lot fed to us about obviously metaverse, but v- virtual mm. reality and all these yeah. things. It just feels like we're being pulled in deeper and deeper into not even living reality, I would say, to that point. And just as yeah. you said, you know, you said that the scale at which people are actually playing plugged in digitally versus you know the work that you do it's like a drop if that in the ocean but Mm -hmm. this is still growing it's getting much bigger it's getting much bigger but I'm hoping that there will be more work from people like yourself helping people actually really start to get themselves back (laughs) whether it's for their personal lives work whatever I definitely see the work that you're doing just genuinely becoming quite critical fun to be honest I think you're 100% right. And I agree that the metaverse is a very scary concept. But I also think the problem is we just evolve very fast. So for Mm. example, you know, when I first joined Facebook, my mum would have been, what is this Facebook nonsense you're on? And oh God, I'm not going anywhere near that. That's weird and scary. And now my mum spends more time on Facebook than I do, you know, and and it's true, isn't it? You know, we kind of like start with, oh God, no, I'm avoiding that. I'm not going near that. Actually, it evolves very fast to a point like, oh, everyone else is looking at this thing. Maybe I should get on there too. And it sucks us in as well. It would be great in a world where governments and top level were more thinking about this on a critical level of, you know, setting guidelines of what apps and such like are and aren't allowed to do. But that's not going to happen in a long time. So Mm. unfortunately, we need to take it more to us. and, And how can we manage that ourselves? Yeah. What are some of the key tips you can give people in general when it comes to digital well-being? So we've already covered one and that's turning off all notifications. It's really, really important. You don't need to be interrupted through the day by the digital world. You won't miss anything. And I think that's the critical thing here. If you're waiting on a WhatsApp message or an email, you will go and check for that email you're waiting on. You don't need to be alerted of all the other emails and all the other WhatsApp messages that are coming through. So turning off notifications is absolutely critical setting your own time barriers as well is really important. So for example, on my phone, I have a 20 minute social media limit. I don't have all the social media apps on my phone. So I access a lot of them through desktop instead of phone. I do have Instagram and I do have TikTok, but it's 20 minutes limited. And then it will say to me, your time's up. That is fantastic. It makes a massive difference. It's all about adding friction points. So Mm. if there isn't something that pops up and says like, you've used 20 minutes today already, I would have just carried on without thinking about it. So setting time limits is really good. And also in terms of emails, I turn my emails to be offline during the day. So you can do this pretty much on all email management systems. You can set them offline so that you can still access emails that you've received previously. Mm. You can write out your emails. So as soon as you go online, they instantly get sent out of your outbox. And I would just go on like maybe two or three 
three times a day, switch it online, sort my emails out, respond to the ones I need to, and then switch it off again. <laughs> and that makes a massive difference to the amount of time you're spending on emails as well. So, and again, this goes back to digital culture is something you could certainly suggest within your organization as well. So you're not constantly pulled to emails or because so much communication does happen via email, you know, for example, I've just been working on something for a client just before this call and it was all sent through email what I need to work through. But if I put them offline, I can look at all that, but new emails aren't interrupting me and coming through. There's a tool called Boomerang that someone was telling me about the other day that I had no idea about that can actually do this as well. With Boomerang, you can set set times to receive emails and that actually lets you send emails whenever you want, but it's only set times of day that the emails will come in. I mean, there's lots and lots you could do, to be honest, but there's some kind of key things that I think really help. But I think probably the most important thing is just self-awareness thinking about how plugged in am I what can I do to make sure I've got a positive relationship with it am I plugging in more than I need to am I lying in bed scrolling at night am I sending work emails in the evening when I don't need to you know and just having this bigger self-awareness of how the digital world impacts us that in itself can be enough to actually lead to change Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for speaking to us today, Sam. It's been a very thought-provoking and helpful conversation. There are definitely some tips I'll be walking away with. If people want to work with you, how do people find you? How do they get in touch? Yeah, so you can find me on social media. I am still active on there. I'm not, anti, I'm not anti-social media. So definitely come and connect on LinkedIn. If you search Sam Flynn, you should definitely find me quite easily on there. I'm also on Instagram as well, Sam Flynn SM. And my website is samflynn.co.uk. And then I also share lots and lots of videos on YouTube about digital well-being. So I'm on YouTube. Now you can have your YouTube handle as well. I'm at Sam Flynn Digital on YouTube. Amazing. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Sam. It was lovely speaking to you today. You too. Thanks for having me.